Romans chapter 1, the book of Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 14. Notice what Paul says. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Thank God the gospel is not just for the Jews, but for anyone that is not a Jew. Amen. I thought about this fact that Paul said that he was a debtor. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. We all in this room have debts. I want to title this, we owe a debt. But we all have debts in our life. If you have any credit cards, you know you've got to pay monthly, you've got to pay that debt. If you have a house payment, you've got to pay that monthly, that is a debt. If you have a car, monthly payment would be a debt, or a truck. If it's finance, you must pay that debt. I'm saying we all have debts to pay. But we must take responsibility to be able to pay those things. Amen. And we all, however, I want to use that illustration, is that we all have spiritual debts to pay. And I want to look at about four of them this morning that we all are indebted to. You are in debt to these four things that I'm about to preach. Number one, we owe a debt to the sinner. To the sinner. A sinner is a candidate for hell. You know, they have a right to expect you and I that are saved to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that God saved everyone in this room, that's be, those of you that are born again, we have a debt to the sinner to try to show them what you got and what I got. They expect it. You say, what do you mean? I believe sinners expect you and I that are saved to tell them about Jesus Christ. Now, they may not act like it. They may cuss you out. They may laugh at you, but when you don't do it, you're playing into their hands because they want to hear that Jesus loves them. I've never run across somebody that laughed to the point to where they didn't want to hear some truth about what I was preaching or teaching. They want to know that they're loved. And glory to God, you and I have a debt to the sinner. You may be their only hope. An opportunity, we owe it to them. An open door to tell them the truth. The sinner, that's a person that's never been born again. I'm not saying we're not all sinners, we are. But I'm talking about a person that has never been born again. The fact that you and I are saved, we owe them. They have a right. They have a right to hear from us. You say, I ain't going to talk to nobody. You're taking advantage of the love that God has given to you to the point to where you're not using what God has given you. God wants you and I to try to keep people out of hell. Amen. You may be their only hope. Look at their face sometime. 
If you know somebody that's not saved and you're holding back, you say, I'm just kind of embarrassed. I don't know how to do it. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. Tell them about how he took you like you were and he saved you and how much he loves them as much as you. Look at their faces sometime. Visualize their face burning. Burning in hell and screaming. That person that seems to be tough. That person that you're afraid to talk to because they may laugh at you and cuss you out. Visualize them burning in hell forever and ever and ever. Visualize the fact that they're never going to have an opportunity to be saved. This isn't Baptist doctrine. This isn't Presbyterian doctrine. This isn't Catholic doctrine. This isn't Methodist doctrine. This isn't Episcopal doctrine. This is Bible. Amen. And God wants you and I to tell people what God has done for you and I. Thank God for that. Amen. I find over here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. You don't have to turn unless you want to. But I wrote down this scripture here. Ephesians 2 and verse 12. Paul says here that at that time you were without Christ. Notice that what we used to be. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You were there. First of all, we had no life. You know something? The fact that God gave us life. That's what he says there in that verse. He said, without Christ, we have no life. Glory to God. Thank God. When you got born again, he gave you life. But if a person that you know of, that you work with, has never been born again, or that's your next door neighbor, or that's a friend of yours, has never been born again, be a true friend. Try to keep him out of hell. We owe the sinner. You say, I don't owe anybody anything. That's very selfish. We owe them to try to keep them out of hell. The Bible says in verse 12, Ephesians 2, 12, they had no hope. Do you realize a person may be breathing without hope? They may be healthy without hope. They may be rich without hope. They may have a good job without hope. They may have a good education without hope. You have no hope without Jesus Christ. You and I need, as I said, to preach that sermon. It's time to get off the pot. Amen. One day I might preach that one again. It's time to get off the pot and start telling folks of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen? Amen? Jesus loves you and he loves them. But he expects you and I that have been born again to tell folks about what he did for you and I. The torments of hell without life. No life apart with Jesus Christ. Having no hope. Headed for hell. The torments of hell. Many of them have been misled by religion. I get to where I despise religion. Not true. I despise anything that will damn a soul to hell. You say that person, though he means well. Yeah, he means well, all right. Still, that person goes to hell. I don't care what he means. If he doesn't tell a person Jesus and him alone is the only way that you'll go to heaven. If Jesus, without him, there's no forgiveness of your sins. Without Jesus, there's no hope. Without Jesus, there's no life. Without Jesus, there's no walking on goal. Without Jesus, there's no hope. You and I need to realize we have a debt 
to the sinner. We need to want people to go to heaven. We have a debt, number one, to the sinner. The second thing, get this one. We have a debt to the Savior. Hang on now. We owe him. (laughs) You say, I don't owe anybody anything. That's selfish. You owe him everything. You do. You're saved. You've been born again. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He saved you. Your name's down in the land's book of life. You and I owe him. First of all, we owe him some gratitude. We need to thank him. When was the last time you thanked God for saving your good-for-nothing soul? Huh? Don't talk to me like that. Good-for-nothing soul. I look in the mirror. I'm talking to me, too. Thank God we owe everything to the Savior that went to the cross and died and shed his blood for you and I to have all of our sins forgiven. Amen? We owe him some thankfulness. We owe him some praise. Ball games, Super Bowl comes on, we praise him, the team. Let me tell you something, that's fine. I like sports, but glory to God, you owe your life to him. He needs some praise. Praise means gratitude, thank him, uplifting him, exalting the Son of God. Amen for what he did for you and I. We owe him some thankfulness, some praise, some prayer time. How much time have you spent with the Lord this week? If you're like me, not enough time. We need to start spending a little more time with the Lord. I find that when I get up early in the morning, I try to put, uh, give uh, a little time to my Heavenly Father because you, your brain's more alert, you know. At night, you try to pray, you go to sleep because you're tired. You wake up in the morning, give Him some of that sharp mind of yours. Amen? Glory to God. We owe the Lord some prayer time. Look what he did for you. He showed you his grace and mercy. You know, I'm thinking about the fact that mercy was not just when he saved us, but he shows you mercy every day of your life. Mercy, mercy, mercy. I mean, God puts up with us. He tolerates us because he loves us. Thank God for his mercy. We owe him. We owe the Son of God. When he gave his life, he gave you and I mercy. Amen? Amen. Not only that, but he, he gave us patience. We should never run out of patience with each other. Amen. I run out of patience with certain people, Brother Paul. Aren't you glad God's not like you? Amen. Amen. We're human beings, I know that, but God never runs out of patience with us because he loves us. But not only that, but he gave us forgiveness. Every sin you've ever committed, he gave us assurance. You can live your life knowing you're going to go to heaven. When your heart stops beating, you can know that you're going to go to heaven. You can have assurance. He died to give us assurance. We owe a debt to the Savior who paid the penalty for my sins and for yours. He paid it all at the cross at Calvary. He loved you and I when we were unlovable. Amen. He gave us a promise of a home. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. He's given us a home. He says it's reserved. Look up that word in 1 Peter 1 4. Reserved in heaven for you and I. Aren't you glad to know that you've got a place reserved to live in the rest of your eternal life? 
you will be taken up in the rapture if Jesus comes back in your lifetime. You know, we all want that. When I see the condition in the Middle East right now, and I see the condition of our country right now, it's not the country I was raised in. I'm going to tell you something. It's not the same when I see the hatred. When I see the, the dislove and the disloyalty, I wonder sometimes, Brother Robert, is this, does this mean that Jesus is coming back soon? Amen. I know one thing, before Israel is ever destroyed, he's going to come back. <laughs> because he's not going to allow Israel to be destroyed by the Antichrist. He'll come back first for those that are saved and those that are waiting for him. I wish he'd come back in our lifetime. I kind of wish he'd come back right now. I like to go up, Brother Carl. Say, hey, Brother Carl. Hey, we're going up. Woo, glory. Wouldn't that be great? Thank God. One day we're going up. I don't know what's delaying him, but he will. He'll come back. Number three. It's not a, not a confusing sermon. We owe debt to the sinner, to the Savior. Number three. Get this one. To the saints. You see, saved people are precious to God. They're precious to Jesus Christ, but they ought to be precious to us. Let me tell you something. It's an honor to be your pastor all these years. I love you. It's an honor for me. I don't take that lightly. Great people, the way I look at you. Part of our lives. We belong to each other. We have something in common. The blood. Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes we see bruised hearts in here. That's one thing about pastoring a church as long as I have. You know, if a man goes to a church for three to six years, and after the honeymoon is over, I'm going to go somewhere else and have a honeymoon, you know. That's the way it is. Pastors sometimes look at the first little while in the church, the first two or three years, that people are getting along so good and the honeymoon is going on, man. And then all of a sudden things begin to wear out, things get old, you know. And that's, I want you to get another church. But when you're here, as long as I've been going on 31 years, let me tell you something, that we become part of each other. Glory to God. And you're precious to me. And we buried a lot of people in this church. You know that. You've seen it. You've been there. Some of you in here, you've lost some your close family. Yes, we owe a debt to the saints of God. We all have something in common. The same blood. You know, you have your father's blood in your veins. Glory to God, the same blood, the Father's blood that gave the Son that died on the cross was shed His blood so you and I could have every sin forgiven. Amen. We have the same blood. I don't have a different blood that saved me than a different blood to save you. Amen. This is one thing we have in common. The same blood, the same blood, Amen. Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Man, glory. Glad about that. Amen. I'm so glad that Jesus loved this life. But we owe him. We owe the Savior. But we owe the saints. Because we have the same Savior. Same forgiveness. The same blood that took away your sins took away my sin. Amen. 
We're still sinners, however, but that's why we should love each other. But secondly, we should have mercy on each other. We should. You know, that's, that's what makes a great church. Loving each other, have mercy on each other, forgiving each other, all of those things. Honoring each other. We need to mean a lot to each other. Always remember, I'm going to say this before I get to the fourth point. Nobody in this room is better than anyone else. Did you hear me, church? Brother Paul, did they hear you? <laughs> Nobody's better than anybody else in here. I think a lot of Baptists got this idea that you got the A squad and the B squad and the, B, uh, the C squad and the D squad. Amen? You got the number ones and the number twos and the number threes. Well, you know what number one and number two mean, huh? Ask your mama. These folks saying, I'm the number one, number two in the church. Mm, let me tell you something. You get cocky like that. Amen. Nobody is better than anyone else. And then number four, you not only have a debt for the sinner, for the Savior, for the saint, but number four, get this one, self, yourself. Now let me just throw a couple of things, I'll be finished. When God called me to preach, I know I got ordained, I believe, we said it was 1976, I believe, uh, maybe a year before then. I made a vow after that. It wasn't right then because I didn't know enough about preaching. And God, I promise you, I'll never let anybody mess with my preaching. I'll never let anybody tell me what to preach. And I kept that promise all these years. It may not make me too popular, but I, I don't let people mess with what God's told me to preach. You know? See, I never, may, I want my obligation is to you. Not just God, but to you. I'll never forget about 1974. And I was playing in a rock band in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hired to, to go on a cruise ship, you know. And our band was going to play every night. Make a lot of money. You know, playing. I was playing the bass guitar. And I, I was really sold out on that stuff there. But then I went and heard... This old guy, preached. I guess he was old, <laughs> 75 then. <laughs> and man, God got a hold of me and called me and said, this is what I want you to do. Not, not the rock music. I want you to preach for me. And I made a vow. I went to that, that band. You know, we were going to have practice that night. And I said, I hate to tell you fellas this. I'm fixing to leave the band. Why, Paul? God doesn't call me to preach. You are crazy. Maybe so. You'll never make a preacher. They heard me now. They say, well, we were right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I gave it up. So I said, that's it. You've got to get another bass player. I cannot play anymore because I can't be loyal to both. Right. Yeah. I made a vow to God that I would be loyal when it comes to the preaching of the word of God. So I gave that up. To preach truth. A few years ago, God said, I know how much you love to sing and you love music and love to write songs. If you, you glorify me, you can do it. And that's, I don't do it for pay. I don't do it to be a, a hit. 
I just do it because I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I love you. But I want you to know that we're obligated and I'm obligated to self and you're obligated to yourself. I'm obligated to preach truth, to love you and to be there for you because I know somebody's watching. Hebrews 12, 1 said, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We got all kinds of people watching us right now, according to the Bible. There's probably angels all over this room right now that we can't see. Hebrews 12, 1, we're compassed, surrounded, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Why don't you do this with me? Just wave at them. Hey, we know you're watching. Amen. That's all right. Don't feel like you're being stupid. That's true. There are people watching. Amen. All right. Three things that I'm finished quickly. Uh, all right. Here's some personal debts. Number one, we owe those before us. I'm going to put this we here. We owe our parents. Most of them have died. Some of you are fortunate that you have still have one or two still living. We owe it to them. They raised us. And they ought to at least say, my, my son or my daughter fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We owe those before us. I owe my pastor, Joe Butts. That was his name, B-U-T-T-S. But boy, was he a good preacher. Seventy-something years old, could preach circles around me. I mean, he was really quite a preacher. And I, I was called, uh, you know, naturally under his ministry. I, I, he's dead and gone, you know, but I certainly owe a debt to him. And then I owe a debt to the first church that I pastored, Mooring Baptist Church in Ridgely, Ridgely, Tennessee. That was the first church that they only ran about, um, I think, 20 people. When I left there a year later, they were running around 60, so it didn't do too bad. But I'm saying, they gave me a chance, taking a guy they didn't know, they needed a pastor. I'd never pastored before. They gave me a chance to preach and to be. I didn't even go asking for the church. You know how I got my first church? I was soul winning with an older guy at Hope from Holy Hills Baptist Church. And some guy that we uh, had uh, talked to that was in the hospital that he knew went to the Moran Baptist Church. They said, we don't have a pastor. He turns around and points at me. He can preach. Amen. Well, why don't you come preach for us Sunday? And that's how it started. Amen. Second week later, they voted unanimously to call me as their pastor. I'm just saying there, I owe them. Amen. I owe them. That's how God started with your pastor here. Secondly, we owe those beside us. I owe it to her. My wife, Lori. You know, everybody thinks that we, we never argue, you know, never have disagreements and all that. that Nobody lives together over 30 years, not argue a little bit. I'm trying to say, but I owe her that I not change what she's heard me preach all these years. I thank you for that. It's hard for a woman to stick with a guy. Huh? It's hard for a woman to stay with a guy. Amen. Uh, I'm glad you were the women. They're not hollering on that one. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> But we owe those beside us our children. They ought to know. Our children ought to know where we stand. Those with us. They ought to know you love Jesus Christ. We owe them. And I want to say I owe then Ridge Memorial Baptist Church. In 1964, 
when it was the church right back there in the back. I owe a debt to this church. Never dreamed I'd pastor it. Never dreamed that I, I was invited to, to a revival in the back there. A girl that came here, you know, invited me, and she's real pretty, and I want to come to church. Yeah. I came. I didn't came because I wanted to hear preaching. And all of a sudden, that preacher got up there, Brother Rob. If you don't get saved, you're going to hell. You're going to burn forever. And I was sitting there. Is he talking to me? Man, and that's all he kept on. Every time I'd move around, he'd point at me. See, I was a Methodist back in those days. You know, they I only heard hell mentioned one time in a Methodist church. But I heard that, and uh, that if you don't get saved, you're going, and it happened right there in the back the next night, I got born again. Amen. Never dreamed in 1964 that I'd come here in 1991 and be your pastor ever since. Amen. Let me tell you, God knows what he's doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. But that's how it started, right back there in the back there. And here I am preaching here to you this morning. One more thing. We owe those beside, before us. We owe those beside us. And three, we owe those ahead of us. Young people that come here, babies that come sometimes, we owe them. We owe all of the, the young people that come to this church. They ought to be able to say, we're proud to come here because of the kind of people. The older people here are a good example to me. We owe those ahead of us. We owe the students of Slidell Baptist Seminary. You know something, when I get an email sometimes or a letter, they'll say, and I showed Lori one not too long ago, how much they thank Ridge Memorial Baptist Church for allowing uh, Slidell Baptist Seminary to be part of the church, you know, and they, they thank you for that, you know. Hadn't been for you all, there wouldn't be no Slidell Baptist Seminary. I tell you, I'll never forget that, how this thing uh, began. And they know that. And a lot of pastors say, I want to build my church after Ridge Memorial. We're not that big, but they want to be like this. Yes, we owe those ahead of us, the youth in this church, the students here, and uh, we should never, we should prepare them, never to be persuaded by false teaching, and that we'll never change. You know, the graduation message, I challenge them, don't change, don't let anybody tell you to, to change the truth. Amen? So we should be loyal. We owe a debt to the sinner, the Savior, the saint, self or yourself. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, Brother Robert. Now don't leave after this, okay?